Hey, everybody. I've got another trip down memory lane for you. This is John, co-host of United 96 Podcast. This episode is an interview we did with Aleko Eskandarian right before our 100th episode. Uh, Ted enjoyed this one a lot. He's been a fan longer than I have, so he really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting, and we talked about his career at DC United and, of course, the blind date with Kim Kardashian, which I think I think really helped us from a search engine optimization perspective uh, having that happen. So take a listen if you've not heard it, or if you have, take another listen and enjoy it. Vamos. Hey, everyone. Welcome to RFK Refugees Podcast. I am your host, John Hoffman. Uh, Co-host Ted Meyer is silent. He's sitting here very quietly, uh, but not contributing. So it's just me for right now. So right now, we hope to play you an interview we did with Washington Spirit player Ashley Sanchez. Uh, We had a little bit of an issue with scheduling, so we are not going to do that this week. Uh, We hope to do that in the coming weeks uh, before the season starts. So we look forward to having that conversation with Ashley. In lieu of that episode, we're going to play you an episode from the archives. Uh, I'm not sure if all of you have been with us from the start. I assume most of you haven't. Uh, but uh, we had Aleko Eskandarian, club legend, MLS. He's played on a bunch of teams. Uh, scorer of great goals. Celebrator of great celebrations. Aleko Eskandarian. Yeah, he was with us on episode 99 and a half. So if you are new since then, uh, this will be a treat. This will be something new for you. If you were already with us and listening, hey, you can listen again. It won't kill you. You might enjoy it. Just some news and notes before we get into that uh, replay. I want to make sure that you join us for our tailgate. So our tailgate now is coming up next Saturday. So make sure you go to rfkrefugees.com slash tailgate. That is the URL. But basically what you're going to do is you're going to join a Zoom call. You're going to hang out with us. You're going to have a beer or a wine or, or a mixed drink or a soda or whatever you want and talk to us about the game and about the season, about the show, about anything you want to talk about for half an hour. We're, we're, we are there for you to hear what you want to talk about and what you want to say. After that, the plan is to have basically a regular pregame show. Uh, we'll have guests probably. We'll talk about the lineups coming out. We'll talk about the game uh, that's about to happen. And then we will kick it. We will hand it off virtually uh, to Dave Johnson and Devin McTavish of the actual DC United pregame show. So plan ahead. You know, most of you can't be at Audi Field, unfortunately, but you can all be on the Zoom call. So again, rfkrefugees.com slash tailgate. And then one other thing I want to make sure you saw is that we now have a scarf for the 2021 season. Uh, It's got a pretty cool design on it. It's got our name. It's got our logo. It's got Vamos United. So if you are into scarves, if you love things that you wear around your neck, particularly now that we're selling them in April and May, so when it's, you know, really chilly (laughs) here in DC, uh, you can can buy a scarf. It is, I believe, $25 and shipping is free. Uh, And I think you pay tax. I'm not sure. Uh, but go to rfkrefugees.com. It's right there. Uh, right there. You can you can click and you can pre-order. The idea is to have them ship to us at the end of this month and ship to you by May. And I will lovingly stuff each scarf in a in an envelope and send it to you uh, with my thanks and eternal gratitude. And maybe a sticker if I've got stickers left. Anyway, thank you for listening to three minutes of me alone advertising for things. Um, also, if you want to go to patreon.com slash rfkrefugees, you can support the show that way. Uh, that's really the, uh, the mechanism by which we do these second shows. It takes a lot of work usually to book and interview folks and, and get it, get it out to you guys on Thursday. Uh, in this particular event, we're giving, we're reheating, uh, an old dish that I hope you like and that you may have not seen before. So after all that, thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode, this interview with Aleko Skandarian, and we will see you at our normal time Monday night. 8.30 on YouTube, and we're going to be talking about uh, a real 
Honest to God Soccer that's happening when that podcast comes out that week. So get excited uh, and vamos. Welcome back to the RFU Refugees podcast. Ted here again. We are talking DC United, everything, and we have a very special guest on the show today. Uh, we have Aleko Eskandarian, the man, the myth, the legend. Aleko, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. It, it is okay if I call you Aleko, right? Or do you prefer Eski? I, I know people... Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever rolls off the tongue, man. I've heard every iteration of my name at this point in my life. Yeah, man. Well, it's 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 awesome to have you on the show. Um, I guess uh, let's get into it. Um, you know, part a big reason we brought on, brought you on here. Twenty fifth anniversary of DC United. Um, hard to believe it's it's been going on. It, it's been going on that long. Uh, you were a part of the two thousand four MLS Cup Championship team. Um, that is a a memory that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, as far as the what I got to see you do on the field. Uh, I guess just give us a sense, like what was it like being a part of that team in in two thousand four? It was it was special, man. Um, I was obviously young, um, so uh, I remember at the time just kind of being like, man, I wonder if this is what every you know professional team is like and things like that. Um, I obviously went through a really rough two thousand three season um, with uh, being the number one pick and then just not getting as much playing time as I, as I wanted. Um, the team struggled. We had, you know, issues, uh, in the coaching ranks and obviously, uh, there was, there was a change at the end of the year, but there was just a lot of turmoil in 2003 where it was kind of like a rude awakening where I was like, man, I came from college where I was playing with a lot of my, my friends and, um, you know, kind of fighting for each other. And then all of a sudden that 2003 season was, was a bit of a circus if I'm being totally honest, like, so many strong personalities and and just mayhem uh, across the board. So 2004 for me was very much personally a a redemption year where I had a chip on my shoulder where I wanted to uh, shut up some naysayers and also just uh, show the fans um, what I was capable of. Um, And then I'm truly grateful for Peter Novak uh, taking the helm and and, uh, just giving a lot of structure and discipline to to our squad. Um, and leadership that we desperately needed. Um, and by the end of it, it truly was a brotherhood that I never experienced again throughout my career. So it was a, a special year. I think going through everything we went through in 2003 kind of helped us prepare and, and embrace how special 2004 was. I believe I believe you had a story. I think it was you that had a story about um, Hestro Stoichkov not wanting to get subbed off and uh, Ray right. Hudson. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was I was supposed to come into a game, and literally, <laughs> I remember my I remember my parents were like watching a game, uh, and then they called me after the game. They were like, "Hey, the the announcers were like, you were you're at the fifty yard line. You're like at half field. You're about to come into the match, and then you didn't come into the match. What happened?" And I was like, "Oh, because 
as I was about to be subbed in, uh, they put up Risto's number, and he just looked at Ray Hudson, and he just goes, no. <laughs> and Ray was like, no, 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 you're coming out. He just goes, no, 10 more minutes. And I looked at Ray. Ray looked at me, and then he was like, all right, let's go warm up <laughs> 10 more minutes. <laughs> and then in the meantime, I think we scored a goal or the other team scored a goal, and then they just scrapped the substitution, and that was that. And I'm like, all right, that's – that's how things are being run here. <laughs> well, I, I don't think that's not that's like the type of thing that happened under Peter Novak's watch. I don't think Peter Novak would have would have stood for something like that. <laughs> Definitely not. And th- that's probably one of my more tame Priesto stories. So that guy's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you know, I think there there was also there there was a little uh, snot nosed brat who uh, I think you would probably refer refer to him as uh, coming in in two thousand four as well, Freddie Adu. What was the circus like? I mean, from your perspective, I guess what was the circus like with that? And I don't mean Freddie. No, I'm Freddie. I'm sure was a very very nice kid. I was I was trying to be a little funny there. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Fre- Freddie's to this day a, a dear friend of mine. Um, but you could call him a brat because you know he was a little bit of a brat at times. But... <laughs> Who isn't at fourteen, right? <laughs> right, not a brat right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, we, I, I think we thought we were prepared for the Freddie show, but no one was prepared for that man. That was uh, the soccer version of the Beatles. I mean, literally everywhere we went was sold out crowd and a bunch of, you know preteen kids who were just worshiping uh freddie and um me personally i loved it because i'm i've always been the type of player that whenever uh there was more on on the line or more eyeballs or cameras i it always got the better out of me um so i love that freddie was able to to bring that to our team and to our league uh, but yeah there was just so many other characters that were all of a sudden around the locker room and agents and advisors and all kinds of people and psych- psychologists and uh yeah he had, he had a whole like entourage that uh, kind of followed him around and um yeah it was I- i'm sure it was tough for him to deal with um and it became a bit tumultuous with with our team as well because it, it became tough to ask him to behave like a rookie when he was the highest paid player in the league so it was uh it was it was a weird dynamic but ultimately i enjoyed his my my relationship with him as a friend and also i, I like playing with him as well well you were part of um what many people called the magic triangle in 04 you know things weren't weren't going all that well for the team they were kind of sitting in sort of the middle of the table um then dc goes in brings an argentine player by the name of christian gomez and suddenly it was it took a little bit probably, but suddenly it just it just connected and you guys just you guys looked like you were on the same page and I still I still contend you, Jaime and uh and Gomez played some of the best soccer, uh probably since the uh since the early days of, of DC. How 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 is it that, you know, because Christian comes in mid season, we all talk about, you know, we see MLS players today coming in mid season like it's no big deal. And it, they take a while to acclimate. How was it that you, you, Jaime, and Christian were just able just to get on the same page so quickly in that season? Yeah, I, th- I think just Christian's skill set matched perfectly to what Jaime and I brought to the table. And it's funny because I remember in training, um, there'd be times where just because of numbers where Peter Novak would actually jump into practice. And there were times that we were, you know, playing 11, 11 aside or whatever it was, just, just training drills. And Peter was an attacking midfielder. And I remember when Peter would jump in, he was on my team. 
I would tear it up. I would score goal after goal just from Peter, you know, finding me on these little through balls and passes. I'm like, Peter, please sign yourself. Like we need a number 10, you know, like if you play, I'll score double the amount of goals. Um, and so we'd always kind of joke around it. Like we, we need a, a number 10. Um, and then they signed Christian and I'll never forget Christian's first week of training. He was terrible, like awful. And I remember all of us in the locker room were like, how much are they paying this guy? Like what's, where do they find this guy from? And oh man, what a waste. And like all this stuff. And he, yeah, he just like, couldn't, he couldn't do anything right. He didn't speak the language. He, he didn't understand anything anyone was saying. Um, so he found it really, really tough in training. And then it was probably like 10 days in, two weeks in, we played an 11 aside um, inter-squad scrimmage and he legit scored five goals in 11 aside. And we were like, that's unheard of. You don't score five goals in 11 v 11. And I remember we kind of walked back in the locker room like, man, freaking Christian was on fire today. And we're like, yeah, five goals, like just must have been his day. And then all of a sudden it was his day every single day <laughs> after that. And we're like, man, this guy's the real deal. And so um, once he kind of became that, the point of that triangle, it was, uh, it was a perfect storm because between myself, Jaime and Christian, we all had very different strengths. And if an opponent tried to key in on taking away any of those strengths, then we just knew it was going to be a field day for one of us at least. So it was uh, truly a pleasure to, pl to play alongside those two guys. And I'll put us up against any back line in league history and, and know that we would score. How, how much of a travesty is it that Jaime's not in the Hall of Fame? You got you to give me you, you got to give me that. Like, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, I, I, I don't e I didn't even know that. Um, like, I now that, this you is, say that I, I remember that, but I just think the whole thing is uh, a popularity contest more so than than quality. Um, so I, I don't really put too much stock in it because anyone that's played in MLS or played against Jaime knows Jaime's a Hall of Famer and, and one of the greatest players to ever play uh, in the United States. So um, to me, I don't measure anyone by whether they're in the Hall of Fame or not. And I'm not just saying that because I wasn't nominated. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's... Uh... Uh, I mean, obviously, you played in one of uh, what I what I would consider one of the greatest games. And it's not just because I was there. Um, I think I was in middle school, and I had parents drive me up to that game, and I was like freaking out because like we were in line for tickets, and it was like literally right as I walked in, you scored your goal against New England. Um, that game was I still call it the best game in MLS. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if if we have Messi and Ronaldo facing off. Um, that for me will, will remain the best game. Um, I mean, that, that was a game I think that kind of maybe I, I'd say it was a turning point. I mean, you had even the biggest skeptics of the league talking about how great of a game that was. What was it sort of like to sort of participate in that game? Man, everything about that game was perfect. Like even down to the weather, like it was like a <laughs> nice, brisk, like a little bit chilly uh, fall day where, you know, the long sleeve jerseys came out and um you know our opponent was was tough as nails new england had uh so, a lot some, of exciting players some guy uh, named clint dempsey i've never heard of him yeah. never heard of him. <laughs> it's funny because uh their the buildup of their team was actually pretty similar to ours where they had a couple of young guys uh in clint dempsey pat noonan at the time um they had a bunch of uh 
veteran guys who, who had been around the league for a while, like Steve Ralston and, you know, Matt Reese and, and those guys, um, Avery John. And uh, then they had guys who were in their prime, like Taylor and Shawry. So we, we kind of had a, a very similar team and veteran guys like Jaime and Christian and all that. Young guys like myself, Freddie, Brian Carroll, Josh Gross. And then the, the guys who were uh, in their prime as well. The only funny thing about it is – we played that game with arguably our best player, which was Ryan Nelson. So yeah. <laughs> to me, even that out, you know, we, we would have crushed them, I would say. But um, the fact that we had, because uh, I think Dima, Dima was out that game as well. Dima, Dima was out and Ryan Nelson were out because they both had, were suspended. So those were two key pieces to our team that were out. So credit to the depth of, of how strong our squad was where Ezra and, and Josh were able to step in and start um and and play a, a great part in it but awesome game um I, I think it's one for the history books for sure just with the the drama the back and forth the quality of the goals that were scored um the intensity the tackles everything about it even down to the coaches um just a, a bunch of legendary uh characters involved in that match and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad the fans got their money's worth thinking. It certainly, well, I mean, I was in middle school. I didn't pay, but they, it was certainly worth it. It was Your certainly, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, my friend's parents did, uh, but it was certainly worth it to <laughs> me. Um, and, and to see that game. Uh, and then we get, we get to the final. We got, we got to talk the final. Oh, I did want to ask him. So there, there's a, there's a, a friend of ours, a friend of the show, Mark Fishkin, who, who's a, a Metro stars fan. I don't know if you remember the, the Ernie Stewart goal. He he contends to this day that Ernie uh, was offside. Was Ernie offside? On sides, yeah. Perfect timing, man. Perfect timing. All right, I'm, I'm it's, a- it's a shame, man. We didn't we didn't have those HD uh, cameras back in those days, or else uh, they would have. If they followed the play, they would have seen that that he was on sides. But um, we, I'll be honest, like we timed it. We knew um, New York played a high line and. Um, that ball was on all day, so I have no idea. Obviously, I, I was on a linesman that game, but I trust Ernie. He's been around uh, the block long enough to, to time his run and not be offsides, especially playing on the wings. But, yeah, it, it looked really bad with how New York backline kept stepping up even after he got it, which made the gap look that much bigger. Um, but in all honesty, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, we, we had that series so in the back. You hear that, Mark? You hear that, Mark? He was on side. Aleko says so. So it's true. I mean, we, we were the better team regardless. No, <laughs> exactly. no one is saying, you know, the Metro Stars were the better team uh, than us that year. So nothing, I, I, nothing to argue there. I don't know. And, and Amada Guevara stole Jaime's MVP award. So we'll call it even. How about that? There oof, we go. <laughs> oof. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love Amado. Amazing player. But yeah, Jaime is MVP. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's get to the let's get to the cup. The the 2004 MLS Cup. Yeah, you had an MVP an MVP caliber game. Uh you won the MVP award. Uh your first goal, classic just classic center forward's goal. I'm I'm going to go ahead and call it that. The second goal. Uh I believe uh, you had some fun with Jimmy Conrad. I think, was, I think it was Jimmy Conrad, right? You had some fun with him on that one. Um I'm yeah. going to contend uh, I'm a certified official and definitely not biased at all. I'm going to say that was not handling. You were perfect. Correct. You're fine. Ball to, hand, ball to hand. <laughs> ball to hand. Ball to hand. But uh but, but talk I mean talk a little bit about sort of that performance in that game and and you know it, it was in LA. There was the fans were there. It it must have been just an absolutely awesome experience. And really just to sort of cap off sort of the the season you guys had. Yeah, um, like I said, man, everything we went through in 03, uh, and again, for me personally, I remember when I wasn't getting the playing time that I wanted in 03, there was all this chatter about, you know, number one pick bust and, you know, all this other 
you know, crap just in the media. And um, I just knew I, I needed a chance to, to play. And so uh, when Peter gave me the opportunity to play, I, I wanted to repay him. So all year long, um, I was really happy with uh, how things were progressing. And we went on a run. I think I think we went unbeaten in our last like 10, 11 games that year. Um, and leading up to the final, it was just the culmination of everything we had gone through. And, um, you know, we had a nice team dinner the night before the game. And um, I think it was Ernie Stewart who was like, guys, take take a nice long look around the room um, because you never know what's going to happen in the offseason. But uh, one thing is for sure that this group of players, this, this team uh, will never play another match together. And that really struck a, a chord with me where um, – that was like my first time where I was like, no, I don't want, I don't want to break this team up. I don't want anyone to leave or anything. Like I had so much fun playing with these guys. And I remember just going into that next day. Um, I wanted to win so bad for our group because we had such a great group of guys. Um, to give you an example of how, how much fun we had as a group, normally on every team, when you go out to bars or whatever it is, like every, every team has clicks, right? Like three, four guys go to dinner here, a couple of guys go there. Whenever we went out with that 04 team, we had like a group of like 22 that we rolled <laughs> through it. Like it was, yeah, we couldn't go to like packed places because we we're like, nah, we're, we're 22 deep. We can't just roll into like the party will follow us to wherever we went. <laughs> that's really uncommon, right? If, if you look that's at MLS, awesome. that's, that seems really uncommon. Completely uncommon. Like yeah. I said, I've, I never had that experience on any other team I, I've been on. I played for five MLS teams. So um, it, it was very, very uncommon, but that. You know, again, it was the leadership uh, in the locker room where, you know, starting with Ryan Nelson, the captain, um, and and even like the older guys who were like who very much understood what that team camaraderie was was all about. So, um, going into that game, um, the other thing I'll say, which which um, I actually tell this story to a lot of kids that I talk to um, these days, but uh, I actually. I did. I used to do a group of us would go to like a Bible study before matches. So we went to this Bible study and um, there was this whole verse about, you know, stepping up when, when you're needed and um, uh, not necessarily about being a hero, but just taking responsibility. That, that was the whole message, right? Taking accountability, taking responsibility, not, not waiting for someone else uh, to do the dirty work for you. And I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm in the match, uh, Sporting Kansas City or Kansas City Wizards at the time score a great goal. Jose Bursiaga, like five minutes in, hits a bomb. And I remember just being on the field, walking around. And uh, when when you're playing soccer, obviously the game's going on, but you're just constantly just talking to yourself, right? Like you have your inner voice that's just kind of like, all right, I hope this guy makes a play. Or, man, I hope Jaime beats this guy. I hope Christian, you know, gets us back into the game, whatever it is. And you're just talking, talking, talking. And I just had this moment where I literally started telling myself, like, why are you waiting for someone else to step up? Like, you step up. Stop waiting for someone else to um, to make a play. Like, maybe your team needs you to do something now. So I literally had just that message in my head, uh, which kind of echoed uh, the the Bible study that we had prior to the, to the match. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, the opportunity presented itself, and Brian Carroll – Passed me that ball. I posted up Nicky Garcia, turned around and spun him and, and uh, scored that first goal. Um, and then the second goal, uh, shortly afterward, Ryan Nelson, right before the game, was like, hey, you set our pressure. You know, anytime you feel like you can press their center backs and cause a turnover or a poor clearance, 
you go for it. You, you have that free that free uh, reign. So I kind of baited, uh, I think, Jose to throw the ball into Jimmy, and then I just ran at him uh, like a crazy person. Jumped up to try to make myself big, but my arm was up just covering my face, and he kind of cleared it into me. At the time, I didn't even know where it hit. Um, I thought it was close to, like, my elbow, but um, it certainly was not intentional or anything like that. My hand was near my body, but, uh, yeah, went through and just put it away. And uh, and then we got a third goal shortly after that as well. So it was uh, a nice little seven, eight-minute spurt uh, to get those three goals, and then it was just about managing the game to see it through. But didn't get any easier with uh, Dima getting a red <laughs> card and playing down a man for those last 20, 30 minutes. Dima, probably the most famous red card in MLS history. Uh, you, you probably, you probably have, you probably endeared yourself um, to to many DC fans. I don't, you 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 were already endeared after your cup performance, but we got we got to talk about the celebration. We got to talk about the one because you're 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 a Jersey guy. You're you're from Jersey. Oh, yeah. I know you're a Jersey guy, and you probably grew up going to some Metro Star games. I'm going to go ahead and say so. Um, yeah, season tickets, season tickets. I I knew it. I knew it. So. Uh, what was the it, it would have it just had to be you right it had to be you because I know I think it was a team the team someone was going to do it and Jaime didn't want to do it and you're like well someone's got to do it so I'll go ahead and do it <laughs> no nah, it was uh... <laughs> so when um, when Red Bull bought the team uh, well first I have to rewind because when when I was coming out of UVA uh, there were a lot of rumors that the Metro Stars were, were going to trade up to take me number one. And that was kind of the message I was getting from, you know, my agent, from, from a lot of people. So um, from what I understood, they had the opportunity to do so. And when they didn't, and DC kept the number one pick and took me, I took that in a way of, okay, you, you chose not to go this route and not to take me, not to bring me home. So now DC is my home and now you're the enemy. So after that, I made sure any chance I, I had a chance to remind them that maybe they made a mistake. Um, I was going to do my best to, to show them. So whether that was scoring goals in the playoffs or um, coming up with creative celebrations, that, that was uh, something that I, I took to heart. And to me, it's just the, the spirit of competition and, and, of, and of the reason we played this game, right? Like you want to play and have fun and, and talk trash and, um enjoy that pressure for me i always thrive under the pressure so i loved kind of that little rivalry and the other part of it is anytime i played against new york that was a homecoming for me all my friends all my family were there so um the stakes got up even more so i had to do something entertaining and fun for them but when red bull bought the team um just in in practice we kind of joked around i think it was santino of like oh we got to do something you know related <laughs> to red bull and uh when we when we went on that trip, Benny Olsen was actually my roommate on that trip. And I'll never forget, he was talking to Chris Albright uh, prior to the game. Chris Albright was playing for LA Galaxy at the time. And Benny was just talking. He was like, yeah, our game's on ESPN. So it's, you know, because you only got like one nationally televised game a week uh, in those times. And, and sometimes it was like one a month. So we had the ESPN game. And so they're on the phone and Albright's telling Benny, like, ah, oh, you got to do something on TV. And Benny's like, ah, oh, I'm not going to score a goal, but Aleko's going to score a goal. Like, Aleko, you got to do something. And I'm like, all right, if I score, I'll do something. Um, but I didn't know what. And then when 
we walked into Giant Stadium and we went to our visiting locker room. Um, we normally had a cooler filled with like Gatorade and water and, and uh, recovery drinks and things like that. And we had obviously been there like, I think like a month prior where we knew the setup of the locker room. All of a sudden, Red Bull bought the team. And when we walked in, they replaced the cooler with just like a giant Red Bull freezer with a thousand cans of Red Bull. We were like, what is this? Like, where's our normal setup of like water, Gatorade, recovery drinks and shakes and all that. And it was just gone. And we literally had to tell, I think the team admin to go find us like water and Gatorade. Like it was, it was a little bit of a, a slap in the face where we're like, dude, we get it. You guys bought the team, but we still need, you still need to treat us like, like opponents. This isn't like a commercial, you know? So uh, right at that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do something with one of these Red Bull cans that, that, that's in this freezer. So I took one out to the field with me, put it next to the bench, told one of my teammates, hey, if I score a goal, throw this over. And uh, I didn't really choreograph or plan it. So I ended up scoring, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes in. I, I feel like it was early in the, in the first half. And I had never had a Red Bull before. I had never drank Red Bull in my life. It was like, it was like a new drink, you know? So it's a high and, risk move then. It was kind of a high risk celebration for you there. It could have been I, could have tasted like anything. I, I thought it was like a Powerade, you know, I thought it was just <laughs> going to be like a, a sports drink. So when my teammate threw it over to me and I was, my plan was to like chug it and like smash it against my head or something. But then as soon as I started to drink it and it hit my lips and I was like, oh man, this is carbonated, man. <laughs> and also I'm like, if this is soda, I'm going to like cramp up. So <laughs> I had to call an audible, pivot my celebration and right away went to spitting it out, pretending like I meant to do it, tossing the can and went off on my way and got the second goal in the second half just to be safe. Uh, I'm That's sure good improv. That's good improv then. You, you adjusted and it, and it seemed, I think it worked out just as well as your original plan, I think. I'm sure Benny loves think- the fact you're telling that he's the genesis of the whole plan, by the way, let me just say. He, he's, <laughs> he's the spark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he didn't tell me what to do, but he definitely influenced me doing something. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So... I think most of our listeners are, are new fans. So uh, we, uh, that last question would count for this. So apologize uh, in advance for asking to play the hits a little bit. But that, there's one more that you know is coming, I think. Um, so it's Aleko and Kanye West. If there was a there before the grace of go eye situation, I think this is one of them. So could you tell us a little bit about your your brush with sort of TMZ level fame and how it came about? And then if if you had her phone number afterwards, what, what happened there? Exactly? <laughs> um. Yeah, man, LA, LA is a funny place. Um, a lot of, lot of, a uh, lot of celebrities rolling around, and everyone's all about uh, image and all that stuff, which for me was was never a, a big thing. But um, one day out of the blue, uh, I had uh, some friends of mine who were also Armenian, who uh, ran an auto body shop. Um, in LA and they're a huge soccer fans. So when I came to LA, they kind of opened their arms to me and uh, we became, we became friends. And one day out of the blue, one of my friends was like, Hey man, would you ever go out with, with Kim? And I was like, yeah, obviously like who, who wouldn't? And he was like, yeah, like I'll, I'll put a word in, I'll put a word in. I was like, all right, cool. Like put a word in if you want, but like, it's not going to happen, obviously. And that was that. And then all of a sudden, it was probably like two months later, no heads up or anything. I got a phone call one day and it's, um, it's Chris Jenner, Kim's mom. And she literally calls and says, Hey, is this Aleko? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, this is Chris Jenner, Kim Kardashian's mom. And I'm like, sure. It is. 
Um, and uh, I thought one of my friends was just playing a joke on me or whatever. So I was, I wasn't taking it serious at all. And then um, all of a sudden I realized I was on like speakerphone and Courtney and Chloe were like in the room as well. And they were like asking me 20 questions and they were like, Hey, you were recommended as like a cool guy that Kim should go out with. So we we're just trying to get to know you a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then they were like, yeah, we, we, you passed the test. So uh, we think you're the right guy. And next thing you know, within like an hour, Kim called and um, I had a good conversation, set up a date. Uh, producers rushed over to my apartment in Hermosa Beach shortly after that, where I signed my life away on like a million contracts, not <laughs> having any idea what I was signing. Um, and then, yeah, we, we just, we went on a date. Um, and it was a good time. Honestly, nothing, nothing crazy. From the moment we started, I told Kim, I'm like, look, I'm not built for this life, but it's a pleasure to meet you. No stress or pressure. Um, let's just have a good night. And she was totally down with it. I think, I think our date lasted like four hours, had a great time. And we kept in touch for a little bit um, after that. But um, for me, it was, it was, uh, it was nice to meet another fellow Armenian who uh, actually does a lot for the, the community and um, nothing but good things to say about her. Totally down to earth, really nice person, uh, good heart. And uh, we had a great time. You, 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 and then Ben Olsen that one time when we were about to sign Wayne Rainey, that was the two times a DC United adjacent player has been on TMZ or has uh, <laughs> has been picked up in gossip rags. So, you know, we'll take it. One out of two. Um, Listen, I'm, I'm more excited about I, I got to be on the uh, uh, the Price is Right. That to me is my... That's is great. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. That An was, LA experience. An LA experience if ever there was one. Um, so I wanted to quickly sort of pivot sort of to what you're doing now. So, so you're... Are you the director of player development at MLS? Is that, is that still your current title? Yeah, yeah. I work uh, within the player relations department uh, with a focus on player development as well. Um, and yeah, it's been about three and a half years now um, at the MLS front office. And it's been great. Uh, obviously, after my playing career, I went back to school, finished my degree at UVA, um, and then had a couple of different jobs. I was youth technical director at Philadelphia Union. And then uh, I was coaching for four or five years uh, professionally with with Philly and then uh, uh, at the New York Cosmos. And uh, during that time, I, I realized that I had more of a passion on, on the business side of things. And even though I love coaching and I think, you know, at some point uh, in the future, I could always go back to that. Uh, for me, I just felt like there was a lot that I um, wanted to learn and, and that I could offer um, in the front office side of things. So made that change and it's been fantastic. Being in the league office, seeing how everything works from, from the background, uh, work with all the clubs from everything to player signings to academies to scouting to um, events you know the whole um, every facet that, that goes into making our, our league work um, I feel like I, I uh, have some involvement or say in um, just there aren't too many people I guess with my background uh, in, in in the office so it's pretty nice to be able to be in a lot of these meetings that are really impactful on the end product that you see today and uh, really proud of how far the league has come from the days that I was playing to where it's at now. What, what are, what are some things that maybe has sort of has changed as far as from the player development perspective? Obviously you came, you came through college. What is and now, you know, we have homegrowns and, and all these other things. What, what has sort of been the biggest thing you've seen is sort of from your time playing and to, to what you're seeing like today. It's, it's completely different. Obviously, there, there was no academy system when I was coming up. So 
you played for your town club team if that's where you grew up and and you stuck it out whether it was good or bad um, nowadays they have all uh, the academy set up which uh, offers high level free training to all the top players um, and the idea is basically to pool in all these top players uh, to make sure that um, kind of like iron sharpening iron like all these top guys are, are together competing against each other and with each other every single day um, and essentially having these these mini uh, all-star teams you could even call it uh, that are highly competitive uh, are, uh, are are require a great deal of commitment and sacrifice and discipline from from these kids um, and with that said there, there's some negative facets to it too I, I think there's there's also some kids who sometimes let that get to their head and, and become spoiled as part of it. Whereas when I was coming up, uh, everyone kind of had that hunger and chip on their shoulder. So it's just a very different, uh, a different format and system from where I was coming up. But the one thing that is a huge positive is opportunities. Um, nowadays, there are so many more teams and clubs and different pathways to, to reach the professional ranks, which is such a great positive step for for uh soccer in this country whereas where i was coming up if you didn't make odp or a state team like you were screwed it was really tough to be seen i know even for me my my club team never won a state cup um we never even made it to a state cup final like i didn't i was the last recruit even at uh uva um and my second choice if i didn't get into uva uh on on my 15 percent soccer scholarship i would have ended up going to princeton which at that point, I, I don't even know if I would have continued playing soccer if the academic burden became too heavy. So um, nowadays, the fact that you can uh, have so many more opportunities to be seen and, and have more quality coaching and programs and things like that is, is a huge step uh, uh, in the positive way. And uh, on top of that, you have different leagues now with USL and MPSL and PBL and, again, so many different pathways to, to get to the top level. As a league as a uh, league employee, I'm sure you have access to the secret Google Doc that has all of the uh, various amounts of Garber bucks that each team possesses at any given time. I'm sure there's a there's a there's a Google sheet somewhere that's got the all can edit but none can uh, or none can see. I, I assume that's part of the. We wanted to make sure. <laughs> I wanted to make it's sure that we got. Away. It's locked away in a safe. And I, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I wanted to get it. We had a couple Twitter questions. I want to get to you real quick. Um, Eric Hatch said, of your experiences with other teams uh, other than DC United, what, uh, which was the most positive and why? And I will add, and it was probably Chivas, right? <laughs> the best. Chivas, we actually had a great team, a great group of guys, but uh, we were treated like second-class citizens, man. It was uh, just not a well-run organization at all. And it's a shame because we actually had uh, a really, really strong team and, and – uh, Guys like Jesse Marsh, Ante Raza, Sasha Question, Johnny Bornstein, Zach Thornton, Jim Curtin. Like we, we had a squad, man. We we were, uh, it was it was great. But I would say LA Galaxy for sure was um, the the closest uh, between DC United and LA Galaxy. Those are definitely my two favorite clubs to play for. And again, with LA, just the way we were treated was was really professional. Um, truly, a, an honor and a joy to play with uh, David Beckham. And I think just his presence upped the ante on on uh, the league as a whole and uh, how clubs should be operated. I think it set a new standard. And um, the way he carried himself was really impressive to me as, uh, as well because he obviously was himself probably worth 
more than the entire league combined. But he showed up to work every day, was truly humble, was a great teammate, was great in the locker room, um, and never, never acted like he was bigger than any of us. And even I actually just saw him two weeks ago. Um, I went to Inner Miami to, to visit those guys, and he happened to be there on the training field uh, when I walked in. And uh, a part of me was like, man, I don't like we played together, but I don't even know if he remembers my name. <laughs> but right away, he's like, oh, let go, and kind of dapped me up, and we just caught up on the old time. So. Um, truly a special guy and a great person. And we had, again, so many other great players on that team, on the L.A. team, like uh, Greg Berhalter, Johan Karofsky, Eddie Lewis, Landon, uh, obviously, Mike McGee, um, Edson Buttle, Omar Gonzalez, AJ Lagarde. Like, just another all-star team of guys where coming to work every day was, was honestly so much fun. You, you scored. You had a banger against New York uh, for for LA. I'm sure he remembers that. I'm sure he remembers that. Um, it's homecoming. That was the last ever MLS game at Giant Stadium. Yeah. Um, and and that was where obviously my dad played, and I had so many memories and so much history there. So I had to go out with a bang. But that ended up being my last MLS game because I got my uh, career-ending concussion the very next week. All right. I think we're gonna we're gonna close out the the free version. So do you got some time to hang out for a little bit longer, like uh, a little bit more time? That's- no problem, man. All right, gangs, appreciate it. All right, so if you're listening on our uh, on our normal uh, podcast feed, we're gonna this is we're gonna end the show here. But if you are listening on our Patreon, we're gonna t- talk a little bit more, uh, a little bit more with Aleko. So uh, it's just one dollar. Put some money in, you get to hear more from uh, more from Aleko. Uh, Aleko, tell the good people, you know, if you have anything you want to plug, anything you want to find you. I mean, I know you have your Twitter account, but if there's anything else, uh, feel free to feel free to drop it right here. No, man, I'm, I'm 37 years old. I don't need to plug anything uh, <laughs> at this point other than support, support your local soccer teams. That's, that's my plug. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, man. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. You've listened on the free side. Patreon, stick around. Listening to the RFQ Refugees podcast. No baby, the devil on my doorstep being so shady. Don't trip. We don't got to let him in. Don't trip. Hey, yeah. I let it go, but I never go with it. Yeah, okay, cool. It's fall weather. Fuck the bullshit. I'm here to make it all better.